This is the Jets-centric podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hello, Jets fans and hockey fans. It is your good friend, Brian. Um, I'm here with Jake Baskin to talk about the World Juniors. Hi. Um, I always love being on this podcast. It's my second time, and so that means you didn't scare me away, and I didn't scare you away. No, we're glad to have you back for a second recording. <laughs> yeah. I'm in my car, and I don't know what's going on. Um. All right, let's just start where we started. Uh, What do you think about Team USA this year? I think it's a team similar in makeup to the last two years with um, Quinn Hughes to be the one leading the defensive charge like uh, Charlie McAvoy and Adam Fox did in the past two years. One dominant line with Jack Hughes, Jason Robertson, and then whatever right wing to be determined, maybe Oliver Wallstrom. And then a few players down the line who can contribute, guys like Josh Norris or Ryan Paling. Uh, the big question will be goaltending because the last two years, Tyler Parsons did a great job and the U.S. won a gold medal. And Joe Wall did not do a great job last year. And the team was left with a bronze that did not feel like a medal. This year, Caden uh, Primo will be in the net, likely. I'm not 100% sure about that, but it seems that way. And uh, if he is able to do well, then the U.S. team should follow. And who all should Jets fans watch on Team USA? Is it just Dylan Sandberg, or is there more? Uh, No, it's just uh, Dylan Sandberg this year, and he'll be a big part of the team given the fact that he is a, a returner. On defense, but I think he will have more of a depth role because uh, Quinn Hughes and Keandre Miller will probably be the top two left-handed defensemen on the team. Um, are there any players that aren't drafted yet that you say, you think fans should keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, obviously Jack Hughes is the number one pick, and I assume Winnipeg is not in contention for the number one pick this year. Never say never. Um, But beyond that, there's a guy by the name of Spencer Knight, who uh, is a goalie out of Darien, Connecticut in the U.S. National Team Development Program. He is committed to Boston College next year. He will probably be the backup goalie, but he may end up starting because he's really good. Um, There's talk about him being a first-round draft pick, which is, as you know, a rarity for a goalie. But I think he has proven himself worthy of that discussion. Uh, who are some players outside of Team USA that you're pretty interested in? Um, well, obviously on on Canada, the potential number one pick of the 2020 draft, Alexi Lafreniere, uh, did end up making the Canadian team, which that was up in the air for a while. But he is, I have seen him, he, he is like one of those game-breaking talents similar to Jack Hughes and he will have two cracks at the world juniors, unlike Jack Hughes, who will only have one because of his age, but I'm looking to see how he performs on this stage. Uh, um, other than that, there are some other draft eligible talents. Capo Kako from Finland, who is likely the number two pick. Vasily Podkolzin from Russia, who will go in the top five to 10. And then there are some other players who have been drafted that I could mention, but. Just to go back into Finland, because the Jets fans, myself included, all now have pretty much adopted Finland as our second team. What's your outlook for them? Not having a Veselainen seems to kind of throw a wrench into things. Yeah, but, I mean, they did get uh, Henry Yokoharyu back from the Blackhawks and uh, 
Let me check who else they got. They got one other guy from the NHL. I should have done better preparation. It's all right. Me too. Yeah. Uh, they got Yoko Haru, who is having a great rookie year with the Blackhawks uh, on their defense. And they also got Ellie Tolvanen, uh, the the top goal, the, the goal scorer in the National Predators organization. There are some other high draft picks they have. Rasmus Kapari, Alexi Hepaniemi. Uh, from I'm a Minnesota Gopher fan, so Sampa Ranta is in the conversation for the team as well. Um, I think Finland, along with the U.S. and Canada, should be one of the top three teams. They also have Uko Pekalukkanen, the Sabres prospect and goal. Um, those three can go in any order, but they're the top three teams, it seems, for sure. Just to throw things back on uh, Canada, and I'm going to throw a bone to our listeners here. Talk about Nick Patan in the World Juniors a couple years back. Nick Patan was on that great 2015 World Junior team uh, who had all those uh, great players like Max Domi and Darnell Nurse that breezed through the tournament undefeated. Obviously, Connor McDavid and Sam Reinhart, Braden Point were on those were on that team too. They just dominated that tournament, and Patan tied with Reinhart and McDavid for the team lead in scoring with 11 points in seven games. Now, the 2015 Canadian team is a little bit of a sore spot for me because as an American, I don't like when Canada wins. It makes me sad. But, you know, that that's a team that's going to be looked back on as one of the great world junior teams in history. Um, p- pivoting back to Veselainen, how normal is it for players like in that position to skip the world juniors? I'm not sure how um, – I don't think it's very common for players to willingly skip it. I know Christian Fisher did it for the U.S. a couple of years ago, but usually when a guy misses the World Juniors um, and he's healthy, it's because an NHL team won't release him. But the fact that Veselainen just said no to the tournament, and granted he's played in it twice before, um, this is a little bit of a rarity, and – it, it definitely surprised me seeing him just say no to the team. See, I it kind of surprised me too, but I understand why. I mean, he's played in now three pro leagues, or four, four, Liga, the AHL, the NHL, and now the KHL. He actually played in the SHL the year before that, so five. Oh, five. So I get why he doesn't want to go back to playing 17, 18-year-olds again. Um he wants to keep that up, and obviously he thinks he was ready for NHL talent given that he left in the first place, so kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, it's his decision. If I were, if he were American, I'd probably be a little upset. I'm not going to lie there, but he's not, so it's up to Finns to either under, understand his decision or be upset with it. Um, Ed, in the past recent years that you've been following, have there been any NHL teams that have a really consistently high representation in the World Juniors? Like a team that just continuously packs the juniors? Um, I mean, I'm sure you could talk to the professionals about this. It really changes from year to year. I don't know exactly. Like off the top of my off the top of my head, I've thought Montreal or Detroit or Boston, I could be way off base with this, but they've had uh, some top performers in the world juniors in the past. I don't know. Not all the uh, teams have been decided this year, so I really couldn't begin to tell you, but I'm sure those articles will pop up uh, as the tournament draws closer. And um, just to tickle that sports uh, sore spot again, um, just to compare the U S and Canada's development, how long do you see Canada being on top? Do you think the U S can overtake them in the next two, three years or even going further than that? I don't think that close. Um, Canada has just under half the league. The U S has 
another quarter of the league. So there's a little way to catch up. But from a development standpoint, you know, I think they're pretty similar. Canada's a little ahead just by virtue of having more players, but the U.S. is getting more out of the non-traditional markets. So it's not out of the question that one day they could overtake them. I just don't see it happening yet. Uh, why do you think there's such an influx in non-traditional players? Because I've, I've noticed it covering junior hockey that there seems to be just as many players now from Texas, Arizona, Florida, as there are Minnesota, Massachusetts. Yeah, um, well, for one, those are pretty populated states and pretty populated metro areas, the ones that have NHL teams. So it stands to reason that these guys are going to keep playing hockey at high levels. Um, I don't think they're going to be quite as many as the traditional states, especially the more populated ones, the Massachusetts, the Michigans, Minnesota, New York, Illinois, just because, you know, they're more ice time access. But it's definitely good to see players from California, Texas, Arizona, Florida, even going up to Missouri and Colorado. It's good to see them gain ground and get legitimate opportunities to play junior hockey and beyond. Um, are there any other Jets prospects that you think should have made their respective world junior teams? I can't speak to snubs for other um, teams, but um, I can't think of any other Jets prospects who should have made the U.S. Um, did it, um I'm sure the Canadian uh, fans of the Jets will have something to say about whoever, but I, I personally can't think of any. Uh, direct all your hate to at Jet Centric Podcast. Um, but just to go on, um, since you said you can only name snubs for Team USA, who are some of the bigger names that were left off? Well, uh, the GM, John Van Beesbrook, who was in his first year as the GM, um, left off a, f- a few names he, because he wanted the defense to be more defensively sound, which is a tactic that I personally don't agree with, but understand where he's coming from. The two big names there. Uh, the biggest snub for me was Riley Walsh, the Devils prospect at Harvard, who is a little smaller, but I don't really think has any defensive issues, he would be the best right-handed defenseman on the team had he been selected. Another right-hand defenseman I thought was snubbed, but, you know, I get the defensive issues there is Islander prospect Bodie Wild with OHL Saginaw, who is really tearing up the league right now, but he'll be eligible next year. The big snub at forward, I thought on the right wing, and they took a lot of right wings, was Logan Hutsko the Florida Panthers prospect at Boston college. I thought he was more productive and potentially more helpful than some of the people who uh, some of the players who did make the team, not trying to single anyone out here because I tried doing that a few years ago and then Troy Terry scored the shootout winning goal. But uh, those three names I thought could have been there. And some people will point to some younger players, guys like Arthur Kaliev or Cole Caulfield or Trevor Zegers or Matt Boldy or Cam York, guys who are eligible for this year's draft. But I thought it was fine to leave them out. They'll get their chance later. And you walked right into the next question I had, so I'm, I'm glad I don't have to pivot completely away. Matt Boldy. When I covered the Phantoms in the playoffs last year, um, that's where I'm from, listeners who don't know. Um, when I covered the Phantoms, uh, Matt Boldy is a player that I saw a lot of and a player that I'm very impressed by. And I am looking forward to seeing him at the next level. Where do you project him to go in this draft first off? And what do you think his ceiling is, his floor is, all that typical stuff, if you know? Well, a couple of uh, players with similar skill sets got picked in the first round of the last few drafts, namely Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom, both coincidentally Islander prospects, both from the NTDP. Both are 
like Boldy, very, very good goal scorers uh, who have who have like world-class uh, shots. Boldy, I think, is similar, and I think he will go in the later end of the top 10, but it will be interesting to follow his career as it goes along. He is committed to Boston College. 17 goals, 29 points in 28 games on the season, and which, which speaks to the quality of the team he is on. He is actually fourth in scoring on the team. That that team USA is sickeningly good. Always is. Oh yeah. Um, are you going to get a, a media pass for the NCAA playoffs? I don't know. We will see. Last year it was very helpful because I, it is in Bridgeport, which is next to where I live. Uh, this year the closest regional is in Providence, so we will see. I will. I may attempt to. I may not. I may be busy. But I will be watching and- on TV nonetheless. Speaking of traveling, um, some people involved with the podcast, our ringleader, AJ, wants to know if you're going to, if you will go to Winnipeg if they host the tournament. Well, that depends on when they host the tournament. Um, They're not scheduled for 2021. The next time they can host is 2024. I will be, oh my God, I'll be 27. Um, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. I well, if I'm not, I should be going the next time. The next time they host, it could be later than that. I'd love to go to a World Juniors. Sounds great to me. Um, just to pivot back, um, just basically Americans' thoughts on the World Juniors because we know it's big in Canada. Um, I guess the two of us can do this. Just uh, describe how the Americans feel about the world juniors. I'll tell you what, it gets bigger every year. Um, Tournament has been televised on NHL network since 2009 with their own American centric broadcast team, which is good for me because I want to call the world juniors one day, probably a decade or so away from that. (laughs) But uh, uh, I think people notice every year. I wish it were on a bigger network than the NHL network. Nothing against the network. It just doesn't have enough uh, play in the market. I find new people talking to me about it every year, looking to pick my brain over things because I am the USA hockey guy. I've certainly noticed players in the tournament talk about watching it every year, which is definitely a new change because in the earlier part of this decade, you didn't see people talking about it. Um, as I said, the next step is for one of the for some more than hockey specific network to pick it up, but it's a great tournament, and I feel more Americans know about it every year. And I'm gonna agree with you there. I obviously I'm I live in a hockey desert. The phantoms do not get enough people, but I don't hear anybody talking about it. But speaking as somebody who has little to no enthusiasm about the NHL anymore, mm-hmm. which sucks because the Jets are good, but I can't bring myself to watch. Yeah. Um, I I still love watching junior hockey. I still love watching the Phantoms. I still love watching college hockey. So I'm actually, I'm excited for the World Juniors. It's I'd rather watch that than the NHL at this point. And yeah. I, I feel like Soon enough, if NCAA hockey gets bigger, the World Juniors might be a much bigger event, and people in America will probably care about it as much as the Olympic hockey tournament. That's, I guess, the end goal. Yeah, and look, I'm I'm a college hockey fan first and foremost. I love the Frozen Four. I watch it every year. I went once uh, back when it was in D.C. in 09, and – You know, and the reason why I started watching the World Juniors in 09 was to follow players from the University of Minnesota. From then, like, in a five-year stretch, I became more in tune with the day-to-day operations of the team, how it was selected, 
and following all the players, trying to form my own opinions of who should be there, who shouldn't be there. Um, it's really been a lot of fun to follow for me. And uh, just to end end things off, who do you think is going to win? At this point, I'm predicting Canada, just because I think they probably have the deepest team, especially at forward. There, there are a lot of question marks there. There's nowhere near a perfect team in this year's tournament, but I think Canada has the fewest amount of flaws. And I, I, would, I would agree. I've, I know Canada's the safe pick, but there's a reason it's the safe pick. Yeah, and yes. I, you know, I don't, I don't really like uh, picking the safe pick, but I think this time, uh, they're they're my pick to win. Right now, I would say Canada at one, USA at two, Finland at three. But I do think Finland could swipe that two spot. Yeah, I have, I have Finland at two, USA at three. And I believe the U.S. is very much capable of winning it. Yeah, uh, but, I would agree. But um, I'm picking Canada, Finland, U.S., one, two, three. All right, and that's all I have. Thanks for coming on again, Jake. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm in. I'm in high demand here for. Yeah. Oh yeah, you did a podcast. What earlier today too? I did yeah. I'm doing another couple this weekend. All about the World Juniors, or yeah. Always love talking about the World Juniors here. All right. Well, uh, go get some rest because I assume you're going to get even more demand after this because. Jet centric is blowing up. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to follow along with the uh, pre-tournament game that the U.S. is playing against Russia, even though there's no way to watch it. But, oh no, bro- no broadcast at all. Nope, just live stats and stuff. Oh, gross. Yep, been there. Um, also, uh, just to close things out, just something just popped in my head. Uh, USHL, you have a pick. Or for college, do you have a pick for who's going to win it all yet? Any teams standing out? Yeah, well, I like the Sioux City Musketeers this year in their top line of Bobby Brink, Martin Pospisil, and Marcus Kelly and Kelly. Uh, Kelly, and Kelly. Uh, Pospisil was picked by the Flames, and the other two should be relatively high draft picks this year. Bobby Brink won a state championship at Minnetonka High School in Minnesota last year. I mean, that line is a lot of fun to watch together. So I think the Musketeers are my pick to win it all. Uh, the Clark Cup. Um, as for, oh. for the USHL. As for college hockey, you know, it's always too early to decide who's going to win there. Um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you that in a couple months. <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming on. We have some big guests coming on in the future, and it's always good to sneak you in when you can. Uh, we hope to have you back on. All right, sweet. All right, thank you. Yeah, bye. Bye. Hey, Jets fans, and welcome back to the roundtable portion of the episode uh you are here it's a small round table a small table it's just myself aj with daniel daniel how are you hello 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 how's it going good good there's daniel daniel's going to be speaking english the whole time uh not like last time when he spoke uh, spanish for the the whole episode so uh anyhow we have some stuff to cover last time we actually recorded a round table episode feels like forever ago but it was really what eight days ago it was on the 12th or uh, nine days ago, I guess yeah, it was. Nine days, yeah. Yeah, yeah we recorded days. before the uh, the Edmonton uh, game. So since then, uh, the Winnipeg Jets have played Edmonton, where they won 5-4 at home. Then they went to Chicago, and they beat Chicago 4-3. Uh, then Tampa Bay at home. What a game. Uh, 5-4, Jets win. And then they lost on the first game of their road trip to the lowly. Los Angeles Kings. That's kind of funny, actually. They play Tampa Bay first in the league, and then go play the last place team in the league. And obviously, the scores that in those games are probably reversed from what you would think. You'd think they'd probably lose to Tampa and, and beat the snot out of L.A. But uh, yeah, they uh, they beat Tampa Bay five uh, four. They lose to the L.A. Kings four to one, and then they won last night. Uh, 
against the San Jose Sharks, the Sharks of San, the Mighty Sharks of San Jose, as they used to be called. No, they were never called that. Anyhow, Daniel and I are recording on the 21st is a Friday evening. Uh, so yeah, since those last five games, Daniel, were you able to catch uh, many of these games? These last five here, or what? Uh, what did I catch there? Yeah, I think I caught most of them. I Tampa Bay. Yeah, I got Tampa Bay. That was a Sunday night. That was the a great Friday one. Chicago game. I missed most of the Chicago game, but I caught the, the when Chicago tied it with like five seconds left or something. They tied it at three. Right. And I saw the overtime. So that was, yeah, that was exciting ending, I guess. And Edmonton, yeah, I think I caught most of that one as well. And the Kings game, I watched, sadly watched all of that. And then I fell asleep before <laughs> the third period last night. So I, oh. I kind of reversed what I should have been sleeping there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know what? Um, but, uh, oh, sorry, I was, I was going to say, it seems like a lot of people took the LA Kings game off. Just looking online, social media, talking to people at work and whatnot, seems like a lot of people just thought, well, we've got these this road trip, these late games here. And uh, a lot of people were pretty quiet uh, online. It seemed a lot of people didn't bother watching it, maybe thought it wasn't going to be much of a game, which it wasn't, but didn't think maybe they thought the Jets would just kill them and be a boring game. But uh, then... Everybody seemed to get a little bit more up for the Sharks game. I can imagine that the Vancouver game tomorrow will be one people get up for uh, just leading into the holidays. People off work, yeah, it's stay on, up late. It's on the weekend deal. too, not at not to stay until twelve thirty watching a game on a Tuesday night. Yeah, exactly. And we're <laughs> l- l- leading into the holidays, and it's a little bit earlier. Actually, Vancouver game starts at nine. The other two games are <laughs> yeah, nine thirty. Right. But um, anyhow, so so since the last time uh, we spoke, now the like I said, the Jets had uh, uh, five games. Uh, where do you think the Jets are at? I mean, in those five games, they're at, what, one, two, three, they, uh, four and one in those last couple of games. And that brings them to, in the month of December, uh, I believe they only have two losses in the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine and two. That's a pretty good record for the month. Look at that. Yeah, that's that's great that uh, those games, they give them a two-point lead on Nashville and the Jets still hold the game in hand for the division. So that's, you know, that's obviously... They're right where we kind of imagined uh, they would be fighting for first place in the division pretty much the whole season, and that fight is obviously well into well on pace now as we approach nearly the midway point. They've already played 35 games. That's wow! That halfway point's creeping up on us already. 35. And that, that means, means in case, yeah, there's a so 36 or 738. Well, yeah, so they'll be at 38 by the end of December. So quickly into the month of January, they'll be at that the exact halfway mark. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, so I've always been, I've been saying since the start of the year is it April yet? Just give me the playoffs already. Let's just <laughs> got to move on here. But um, but it's good to see you know they all those overtime games were probably a little more exciting than they should have been. I'd say. I mean, I think the Jets they had to come back and tie a couple of games late there. I think. Yeah. If, I, if I'm recalling correctly, this is last week already. But uh, the Edmonton game they tied halfway through the third period. As Shifley, uh, of course, and then Morrissey scored the winner that night, and then the Chicago game as well. They were up, and then the Hawks tied with eight seconds, as I mentioned. Shifley scored the winner in that one, and then the Tampa Bay game. That was just an incredible game. That felt like like round three of the playoffs or Stanley Cup final kind of thing. It was just back and forth, up and down everywhere. And Shifley again got the winner in that game. So there, I think there was something like a hundred and. 50 shot attempts combined or some ridiculous <laughs> number like that. So that's pretty high event hockey. And that's kind of what we, we like to see, especially out of the jets. We know, and that kind of shows us that they are capable of playing up, up to where, where, where we would expect them might say, you know, getting those, those shots, those opportunities. I never actually looked at any fancy charts from that game, but I assume it was just some ridiculous amount of scoring chances and high danger chances. <laughs> um, yep. And then, and then of course, coming off that, uh, that top, playing the top team in the league they play LA and they just kind of forgot you know they had a, they didn't skate on Monday or they didn't have a pregame skate so they were kind of just heavy legs after the long fight out to LA I'll just kind of write that one off as a as a dud kind of game and then last night was pretty exciting Ehlers gets the hat trick and never actually scored a goal on the goalie so that was that's also good to see <laughs> <laughs> yeah his uh I, I, th- I believe they said it was fourth hat trick of his career now with the Jets so that's uh that's pretty cool. I mean, and I think uh, they mentioned it was his uh, second uh, second empty net goal where he didn't actually score because he got uh, he got hooked on the play. So if you get hooked with an empty net on a breakaway, it's an auto auto goal. I think uh, someone mentioned that it was the second second time he's done that in his career. Yeah. So that's just a weird, interesting stat. Yeah, I I tweeted that out from the account, 
And then uh, Kevin Oshevsky had made a comment like, yeah, I heard that before with a little sly face. So I don't know if they, like, I was watching, but I don't remember them saying it or referencing it. And I didn't know if maybe they mentioned it on 1290 afterwards or or what. But uh, as soon as it happened, I'm like, this happened before. I, I knew it had happened. I, uh, yeah, I got the I team wrong, though. I thought it was against, uh, in my terrible memory, thought it was actually against Dallas. But uh, I think I was remembering some other other events. So I actually went on NHL.com and tried to look up all of his empty netters. Uh, but uh, it was it was actually a preseason game, so it wasn't listed on oh, NHL.com. Okay. It was against Ottawa in preseason last year. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's how it happened. But uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, an interesting. Or no, sorry, not last year. I believe two years ago. I think it's 2016. Uh, it oh, okay. The beginning of, uh, two seasons ago. Yeah. So. Um, that, that was the last time. I thought it happened regular season, like I said. I, in my mind's eye, it was against Dallas or Colorado, but I think I'm thinking of the game where he uh, shot into our own puck on, on Hutch from the corner in, uh, oh, I believe, overtime. Oh, when he scored on Hutchinson in, in overtime, yeah. Yeah, I think that was Colorado or, or Dallas, one of those those two teams, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Ulysses has had some good moments against Colorado. <laughs> he beat, beat up Tyson Berry that one time and scored the winning goal for Colorado. and. <laughs> he might might not like playing the Avalanche very much. He's got to fight and score in his own net. So, yeah, that's uh, the whether the Ehlers hat trick is kind of different from the Gordie Howe hat trick. You, you get a fight, get an assist, and score in your own goal. That's a little yeah, that's... a little bit different. <laughs> Actually, line it. You know what? That's a yeah. You think about it. Ehlers had that. That's a pretty spectacular own goal. And then Line had like one of the best own goals ever a couple of years ago. Remember that one? There's shooter oh, right into yeah. the wide open cage and then consoled by. Captain Wheeler, that was a uh, yeah, that was pretty that funny. Was a brilliant, brilliant shot on the open that I Oh, it was an wow, amazing shot. Was... <laughs> yeah. Oh, good time. Anyhow, uh, so the Jets are they're not done with this road trip though. They go to Vancouver tomorrow. Uh, I haven't been paying too much attention to Vancouver. All I know is uh, Elias Pedersen, I believe, plays for plays for this team, and apparently he's uh, better than Connor McDavid. So that's going to be a real, real test. And I guess if he's better than Connor McDavid, I don't know if that makes him better than. Austin Matthews, though. So is it Austin Matthews, then Pedersen, then Connor McDavid? And if people don't know that I'm joking right now, well, you've never listened to the podcast before. <laughs> uh, but Elias Pedersen, pretty pretty uh, nice player. They're going there to, to play against them tomorrow. And then they just got a little bit of break. They actually get uh, four days off uh, for Christmas, so they're not back until the day after Boxing Day. So after tomorrow's night, the next hockey most uh, Jets fans will likely be watching is Boxing Day. Uh, Team Canada, World Juniors, and uh, if you're listening to this episode, you probably just listened to Brian and Jake Baskin, our our uh, friend and expert of all things World Junior and Junior players um, from a non-professional standpoint. He is uh, just a, a novice, but just eats it up, and so um, you probably got uh, your fix of that. So yeah, then just come home and they play against Calgary on the 27th, Minnesota at home on the 29th, and then uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, at Edmonton, and I believe is that not one of the games where they're going to be wearing the Heritage Classic jersey at Edmonton? That is right. Yeah, yeah I thought we talked we yeah. talked about this, right? Um, they're going to be wearing the new Heritage Classic jersey, the Adidas Heritage Classic, yeah. on New Year's Eve in Edmonton. Game later game for us there starts at 8 p.m. our time, but uh, yeah, whatever. Um, so Daniel, now the, the team's nine and two, and you mentioned they're you know uh making games interesting and I, there this is it always comes up I, I i always bring this up at least um are the jets uh like yeah I, they are good okay i'm not i'm not trolling or anything like this but sometimes i wonder when you can have still those holes in the games or still those problematic parts or not firing all cylinders and you go 9 and 2 you know, forget about quality of competition. At some point, that evens out, and you you end up playing all the teams. Um, and like you said, almost halfway through the season, uh, we can't keep talking about their schedule that much and, and using that as a reason why they may not be good. But is this just like a symptom of the NHL? Like, are teams just not optimized or not maximized or not playing to their full potential all over the place so that a team like the Jets, which is obviously loaded, can get away with not doing enough? But – to, if everyone's not doing enough and you just have to be the best team out of the ones not doing enough, uh, it seems like that's that's good enough to be 9-2 and two in the month of December, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, it's, it's tough to, you know, it's always tough in the regular season, especially, I'd say, in the first, like, in the first half up to, up to I guess, the all-star break would be a good measuring point of it. Right. Half, if, if we want to go that way. 
just uh, the hockey's a lot looser, and you know they always say, you know, I think it's gone on a little longer this year than maybe in years past, and there's been obviously some goaltending equipment adjustments and stuff like that. The chest protector's smaller, and that obviously all the all the goalies are dealing with that. <clears throat> and so that might have something to do with it. You know, the the more goals, which is obviously what the league wants, is goals, right? They want exciting games, and if anyone's been watching the Jets the last two weeks they know anything some a thing or two about exciting games yeah so maybe maybe it is working but uh i mean the jets you know the forwards are, are like they're just so good that they can like i've always i've said they can pretty much score if they need to or when they, they need to in mo- on most nights if I, I i know that kind of sounds kind of dumb but it just feels that way like they can just turn it on all of a sudden and just score right and that's yeah you know they're relying a lot more on the the finishing talent. I think Katie uh, Katie mentioned that last time that just the finishing talent they're relying a lot more on than the um, than like the shot suppression and stuff like that. So they're giving up a lot more, but they're also getting more than they were last year, for example. So far to date, anyway. I mean, I'd have to actually pull up something to to double check to see actually where they were in the first half and the second half and kind of compare. But I mean, the, the the entire league is scoring at a much higher a much higher rate than it has been. I would say and that this is obviously just an uneg- uneducated guess, with backed by absolutely nothing. But I feel like there's been a lot of high scoring games so far this season. Yeah. So so te- teams are scoring, goalies aren't saving the puck as much, and that's going to lead to something that's kind of hard to judge if it's a new if we're kind of taking a curve in the way that the game is kind of leaning more towards you know a faster higher pace than it has been in in years past and I mean you look at the LA game they played on Tuesday that was kind of an image of the Stanley Cup champion LA Kings from when when did they win it 2011 or 12 or something it was just that kind of shut down rely on Jonathan Quick and Drew Dalis saved two goals and (laughs) It was kind of just the, the Jets lost the TDO in that one. It was just they just had bad luck. Basically, the Kings get two bounces, the Jets get two saves by the opposite opponent's defenseman in their uh, in it, diving back into his own net. So it's kind right. of just bad luck, and that's that's going to happen as well. So I know I probably didn't answer anyone's questions, but that's how I feel about it. Well, thankfully we didn't have any questions. We we're just rambling here, both of us. But it's, yeah. it's fun <laughs> as as you're talking though. I, I added up the scores of the 11 games that the Jets have played in December. And it looks like combined score of like both teams, there's been 67 goals scored in those 11 games, which is what is it, six, six goals a game. That's a pretty decent scoring. I mean, that's a, that's a six, nothing or a five, one or a four, two. I mean, uh, that's, you know, that's a decent, decent number of goals to be scoring in, in a game. And I mean, if you get to five goals, if a team, scores five goals in a game we're talking about a, mm-hmm. a decently high scoring game again if it's five four or if it's five nothing five goals is is a lot right and in the those uh, again those 11 games i know this is a kind of a silly thing but the jets had a seven one game they had the six three they won five four uh they won five four as well and then they beat uh san jose five three so of the 11 games five of those 11 games in the month of december um there's been well and i can actually say it's the jets the jets have scored five or more goals uh, in five of the 11 games, right? Uh, Again, they beat Philly, they beat Chicago, they beat Edmonton, they beat Tampa Bay, and they beat San Jose. Those five games, they scored five or more goals. So goal scoring doesn't seem to be an issue. And then even kind of rewinding back to November a little bit, um, the Jets also beat Colorado uh, 5-2. They beat New Jersey 5-2. They beat Vancouver 6-3. Uh, they lost to Calgary 6-3, so they got a bunch. And then the Jets had that 8-4 game against St. Louis, which is crazy. And then they beat Chicago 6-5. So, I mean, even in the month of November, they're probably close to 40%, 45% of their games. They're scoring five or more goals, which is uh, <laughs> crazy. That's a right lot when of think goals. Of it, right? yeah, like, that's that's a five, five goals in a game in, in the playoffs. Like a 3-2, is that doesn't happen very often. So. Yeah. That, that says about something. I'm not sure what it says. Yeah, just yeah, like I yeah, just for one team to score five goals is is a lot. Never mind five like five combined goals in a game is even nuttier later in the season, right? So it's, yeah. it says something. It speaks to something. I'm just not sure exactly what it speaks to quite yet. <laughs> well, maybe like you said, the, the maybe a li- little more looser 
hockey, right? Maybe things we start to see it tighten up, start to look a little bit more like playoff hockey. I mean, injuries start happening and the goalies figure out their equipment, whatever it is, right? There's there's probably a bunch of stuff in play that you can't kind of isolate it just as one thing to say this this is it, this is the reason. Um, but it's probably a multitude of things. But I, I imagine you'd see those scores come down. But it is definitely nice to see the Jets on the right side of uh, – the score sheet, you know, not just on the win column, but also that they're not winning one nothing, right? It's nice that they're scoring goals. Now, if you can kind of play a little bit better defense and limit the other team, uh, you know, then that looks like uh, you're beating everybody 8 nothing. I mean, that's a pretty good team. Yeah. That, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, that reminds yeah, me of the Philadelphia game. Yeah, I'm fine with winning everything 5-6 or 5-6, 5-4. <laughs> that's fine with me. Lots of, lots of scoring is good. That's something I, I like exciting. I like yeah. on either end of the ice right i like you know seeing how 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 they how do they make this exciting play happen after right not how did he poke check the puck into the corner to divert another chance yeah on either end of the ice right you know look at the like like the, that pass that uh, nick batan made last night like what an incredible pass that was right like that was that was good you know you like analyzing the fun stuff of the game sometime not just yeah picking out all the all the bad mistakes that that one can make or all the boring plays that they make is you know, usually that's how you win is playing a good defense, but let's let's get some offense in and enjoy it while it's happening. And if the Jets score five goals, they appear to be winning most of those games. So that's yeah, that's good. Sure. We'll just beat everyone five five four until until April. <laughs> yeah, actually, here here's a, a little goofy question. What is your ideal like favorite scoreline? Obviously, you've seen games where Jets have won one nothing. You've seen the ones where they probably won you know five one. And they're always exciting, but like, what's the best scoreline? Would you rather, you know, kick the shit out of the team, or you know, up by a goal and then you get that insurance goal, and you're up by two, and and that seals it, or going to overtime and having that close game, you know, a zero zero tie, and then the only goal that matters is the one that scored in overtime, or you know, the high scoring like uh, I, I mentioned uh, Philadelphia and didn't finish my thought there, but you know, in the first year the Jets uh, played Philadelphia, I think the first game they had ever played was nine eight or something in Philadelphia. Yeah. And then they came back to Winnipeg, and the next game was, I think, Jets won 6-4. So those were, like, crazy high-scoring games. But uh, do, you, do you like high-scoring games? Like, is that uh, a better thing, or, or is it just all about the, the nice hockey or uh, close games, close, exciting games where your team hopefully comes out on top more often than not? Yeah, I you know, I like, like a nice 5-3 a nice with a late empty netter. Obviously, that's the most exciting yeah, but obviously, obviously, I want them to beat the crap out of everyone every night, which I'm a realist, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, but uh, my ideal, you know, is getting that, you know, keeping it close most of the game, just for my own viewing enjoyment. Yeah, you know, that like that seven-one Philadelphia game that we had, yeah. as much as it was fun, like why did I even watch the third period of that game? Right? <laughs> it was already five-one or something, right? So you know, a game that's kind of close. But you know you get that late excitement going on, and then and then they put it away. Yeah. Is good for good for the enjoyment of it. That's that's kind of what I like. I watch hockey because I enjoy watching hockey, and that's the best way to enjoy it is having a close-ish game anyway. That that hopefully the Jets win, and you can't win them all, right? But yeah, actually you mentioned you mentioned a one nothing overtime. That was the first my first Jets game I ever went to was against. In, in year one, it was against the Kings. That was the year the Kings the Kings won the cup that year. Actually, that was the, that was 2011, I guess. Right. And uh, it was zero zero the whole game. It was what you'd expect from the Kings of of their great days. And uh, none other than Evander Kane stole the puck in four and four overtime and scored. That was that was very exciting for my first my first ever Jets game. That's just a little memory I had while you were talking about that. Well, that's pretty cool. Good. Yeah, uh, my my first ever Jets game was actually I got to go to uh, nobody won the exhibition games and I went to the very first exhibition game, the one where Buff and Mark Stewart got the fight in the first thirty seconds against Columbus. <laughs> yeah. They're doing the split squad. I was there. I was at that game. I was up in three twenty nine, uh, row seven, seat thirteen and fourteen. I take up two seats. I'm real. I'm super huge. No, me and my buddy, those were our, our seats there. But uh, yeah, good times, man. Lots of lots of great games. I'm sure we've all been to. But I I kind of agree with you. I like the the just back to the, the type of game. I like the, the closer ones uh, generally, but you like to see your team come out on top. I actually don't mind a bit of overtime, but obviously there's a bit more nail biting. Um, but the, the high scoring games, like even today, I was watching a bit of the Slovakia Canada pre-tournament game. And I think Canada was up like five or six, nothing. And if you're just, if you're at a game like that, you know, you're like, well, for the first four goals or something. And then when you realize that the other team is, 
given up all hope and they're not making a big comeback. Like I think was it Vancouver a couple of years against Chicago came back and scored five goals in the third period or, or whatever it was. Um, it, it, when that looks like it's not going to happen and then your team scores again, you're like, yeah, you don't even get it. You just clap. You don't even stand up or high five anyone at that point. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, this yeah. put a fork in them. Let's just, Let's just go. We 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 won. Let's beat the traffic. Get out of here. Yeah. Beat the traffic. Yeah. The, the game has already been won, really, right? Like that's what you want. You stay till the end to make sure that you win, right? That's why everyone cheers for the insurance goal because you you know what it means. But uh, at some point, when uh, you're getting goal number eight and the the other team hasn't even scored one, you're like, eh, whatever. I mean, and and actually, that's how I've always felt about the goals after after you have a four goal lead. Every goal after that shouldn't, like, you don't get that. That doesn't count to, towards your stats, you know. If you get a hat trick because you scored a goal five, six, and seven, I mean, that's that's not a hat trick. I mean, I wouldn't throw my hat for that. <laughs> it's no, no longer uh, my $30 hat for that one, you loser. Yeah, well, you, you know, save that one, yeah. They're 30% off afterwards. Actually, they should be 30, yeah, 33% off, I think. That's yeah, what they, they should be. Threes. Yeah. Threes all around. Yeah, for sure. Um Okay, so anything else we want to say about these uh, these games? I mean, we could talk a lot of nonsense, but uh, I did actually – hold on. Before I say anything about these games, we can come back. I mean, jump around. It doesn't matter. It's our podcast, and we do what we want. Don't don't boss exactly. me around. <laughs> uh, don't back boss me around, listeners. Don't. Why okay. AJ ramble so much? But uh, I should mention, uh, it's just me and Daniel. Uh, uh, Ryan is actually off into uh, Saskatchewan visiting family. And then uh, Chris is in Florida visiting a friend. Uh, Katie, I think, is off doing uh, family stuff. And uh, Glenn, well, I don't know if Glenn's going to come back and join us. I'd love to have Glenn back on. And Alistair is uh, not with us, but he's preparing to do a uh, an interview uh, soon, which uh, I will probably mention at this point in an in introduction. But uh, So that's why it's just me and Daniel. Uh, nobody else is available. I think everyone's in holiday yeah. mode. And I think these late games kind of killed any idea of doing a podcast before or after or on the off nights of these uh, these late games. So whatever we it's been a while since we recorded. So uh, it's uh, nice to definitely do this and talk uh, talk a bit more hockey instead of type a bit more hockey, which uh, we usually <laughs> usually do is uh, just uh, tweeting and writing and everything. But uh, anyhow, okay. So I, I said uh, back to these games. Uh, do you have any uh, strong thoughts about these uh, these last couple games the Jets played? Any uh, you know anything to really take away from it or good on the Jets? They played well and. Uh, Keep it going. Yeah, you know, like yeah, I said they're they're playing well already, and it'd be nice to get that one more uh, one more W in the bag before their little four or five day Christmas Christmas break they'll get. So hopefully they can go into Vancouver tomorrow on the last game of a road trip and just sweep get a little uh, sweep of Vancouver this year. I think it's this already their third time against Vancouver this mm-hmm. season. I think I think it is. Um, Good question. Keep talking. So I'll, I'll I'll look it up while you're talking. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be good, you know. Just beat Vancouver again. That's that's always fun, and and that, and I hope they can, you know, just make it exciting. If we're all going to stay up till midnight anyway, watching the game, but they might as well win. Um, and just keep on the good December they're having. Obviously, any points in the bank now matter for when. Like I said, I assume the games are going to get tighter, and you lose you lose a lot of two two or three one games. Hopefully, not a lot, but they'll they'll, they'll definitely have a few coming up. So. Just have to keep an eye on that. And I just want to say, you know, I think Hellebuck has actually been playing okay and he's gotten probably better. Um, I'm obviously only using eye test. I mean, two of the last three games, he's faced 44 last night and 47 against Tampa. And so that's that's a lot of shots and stuff. But his save percentage has gone from a 907 up to a 909. So it is slowly creeping up. I mean, his goals against are still 2.9. So he's yeah. Not, quite in the form he was last year, but something to look for. I think uh, Brassois is going to start uh, tomorrow night in Vancouver. I think that's what the plan was. Obviously, we, with Maurice, we don't actually ever know if he has a plan or not going game to game. <laughs> Daniel, you troll. Yeah. terrible. <laughs> I would never say anything like that about Maurice. Hello? <laughs> so... so <laughs> So getting yeah, getting Brossois in there will give Hellebuck one extra one extra day off on, on this break here and maybe get himself refocused and ready for the the long stretch drive. I'm sure the Jets will be duking it out with Nashville right until the end of the end of the season, like April ninth or tenth or whenever that ends. So we'll see see how they do and I mean winning winning counts for something and 
Hopefully yeah. they can just keep winning. I'm just looking here. The uh, the last game of the season is in Arizona at 9 p.m. start. So hopefully that is a meaningless game and doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it will. Um, you, you are right, though. The Jets have played uh, Vancouver twice already. They played one home and one away, and they did win both those. So and I'm going to guess that this is probably the last time we play play Vancouver. I didn't actually check that out. But you were right up to the to this date that we could get the – sweep so far at least but whatever i'm not going to keep yeah. looking to to see but uh talk, let's talk about a couple of players here though this is always uh fun and i know it's uh controversial people don't like this especially if we're slamming your player or praising a player that you don't like but uh patan finally gets back in the lineup and uh, you all knew we were going to get to this so uh lowry lowry comes out sounds like he's under the weather at least that's what patan said in his interview it sounded like uh, he was sick or something but uh, sounds like it'll be a quick turnover and uh lowry will be back in soon so Forget about Cobb. Let's just pretend he's on the bench. Uh, Vancouver comes up. Um, let's say Lowry, Lowry slots back into the lineup. Has Batan. I know it's only one game, but he also had 10 games uh, before that. And as one game, he got a nice assist. Um, do, you, do you think of Lowry uh, comes back in that uh, uh, Lemieux finally comes out and Batan stays in? Or do you think at this point, you know, you made your terrible, terrible, hateful guess the other day of if yeah. uh, when Cobb comes back, that Appleton comes out. I, that, that's like my worst nightmare right now is if uh, Lowry and Cop come back and we take out Appleton and Patan. I, I don't understand why that would be. I mean, obviously there's a decision to make if both those players come back and let's just say Lemieux definitely comes out and then it's going to be Patan or Appleton and both those players are, are good players. That would be nice to see them stay in the lineup, but whatever. Uh, somebody, somebody's got to sit in that point. It makes a bit more sense. But anyhow, this is a Vancouver game. Uh, hypothetically, Lowry comes back in. Who do you see coming coming out? Do you think uh, it's uh, Patan or Lemieux? It does it seems unlikely that it'd be Appleton at this point. What's your yeah, prediction? Um, yeah, Maurice. Maurice seems to love like Appleton, which is, I mean, a good sign. Appleton's a good player, so that's yeah, that's yeah. something positive, right? Um, but I think uh, Lemieux got in a fight last night. Is am I correct? In uh, yeah, yeah, in the did, first ten and, seconds. Right. Yeah, in his first 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 shift, the first ten seconds. And I think he also did he get the assist on that? Yeah, he got an assist too, so he has more and the same same amount of points as Batan uh, the other night plus a fight. Did he actually get someone, the assist? Because I thought yeah he, they did give him yeah they did give him the assist there. Okay. On that one. Like he did he did help create the turnover, but I thought he had just hit a player. I'm trying to recall it uh, he along hit the board. Someone, I think. And then I think it, it, it just kind of hit his. I think it kind of just hit his stick onto Patan, who did the rest. Okay, is uh, what I'm remembering. It was right along the boards, and it was a quick one-two, bang bang kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm gonna say, since Lemieux has been in, and they're nine and two. I don't, I can't remember how many games Lemieux has played in in a row here, but I assume it's been a couple. It's, uh, I think um, it's about fourteen games now. If I'm not mistaken, like the Jets are, he's up to, uh, yeah, he's up to 21 games, and it looks like he's been in the lineup since November 24th. Yeah, because like so Patan missed, I believe, the first 11 games, and then he played the next 10 games, I think. So that's the first 21, and now we're at game what? Would you say that we're going to be at 38? This will be 36. Minus, 36 so 36. Tomorrow. So yeah, the last 15. I guess uh, he played, but uh, plus he had a suspension there. I guess right, he missed a game or two. But uh, yeah, the Patan, I, I, I'm maybe I'm, I'm I'm in the ballpark at least with those numbers. But uh, I don't think we've had it uh, at any moment this season though, where Patan and Lemieux have both been in the lineup though, right? This is other, a, than, other than last night. Yeah, other than last night, yeah. And so this is the first time that it'll be obviously one over the other, whereas before it was uh, when Cop came back from concussion and then yeah, stepped right. back out. and But then at the same time, uh, yeah, there, I think there was another kind of roster. Or an Appleton came, uh, slotted in at the same time that Le, then Patan came out and Lemieux went in. It was Cop uh, and Patan coming out and Lemieux and Appleton going in at the same time. It was something like that. So uh, yeah, right around the same time. But, like that. Yeah. but so now, again, if Lowry comes back, it's – Obviously, going to be one of those two coming out. So, uh, your prediction? You're still thinking that Patan comes back out and Lemieux stays in? Yeah, yeah. based on the fact that uh, Lowry's the center and Patan played the center last night. Right. So that's that's basically it. Rosslick bumps back down. I would say, I guess, to line four. He actually Rosslick looked spectacular last night from the eye test uh, point of view. Anyway, I'm not sure if he was actually good, but yeah. So that that's basically what's going to happen. I would say Patan just bumps 
heads heads upstairs to the the popcorn booth in the in the where the where they playing in the Rogers Arena or whatever the heck it's called in Vancouver and yeah. in his hometown. Oh, home maybe a hometown game. Yeah, I think he sat think he sat one of the other ones. Yeah, he sat one of the other ones. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I say we just go back to the same old, same old. Yeah, and he, I would assume Cop Cop won't be back till next week if he's ever coming back. I don't know that concussion is sounding pretty bad. But yeah, I, I'd say I'd say Ross or Lowry and Fripitan tomorrow. Right. If Lowry's available. Now, uh, yeah, again, yeah, if he's available. But uh, Rosovic played center, though, yesterday as well, too. So maybe uh, Patan stays in center and Rosovic takes a couple games off. What do you think that uh, – what are the chances that happens, do you think? Uh, like I said, Rosovic looked pretty good last night. And, yeah. And he played probably double the minutes of the fourth line. So, obviously, yeah. he got a, a good look, right? And I, yeah. I like, obviously, anyone with Perot is looking looking spectacular. So, yeah. even if they have Tanev on, that, on the other wing, but – <laughs> I'd say we didn't mention him yet so I just kind of just fit that fit that in there as part of my other discussion see how it works <laughs> we're, we're wizards with words when it comes to not liking a certain uh, certain guys but hey. uh, <laughs> I'm trying to um, give him so much more credit uh, just that as, from all the credit I did not give him before He's improved a lot, but I did actually just on my own personal account. I tweeted out just that one little uh, video. I don't know if you saw it, where a he uh, steals a puck, yeah, yeah, and then he chips it into three players, and then <laughs> meanwhile, and one of them was Thornton, and Thornton had moved over and left Matty Pro wide open in the middle of the ice. All he had to do was just do a little pass back from where he came from. It's on Pro's stick, right at the top of the the the, the right at the the blue line, and. Uh, yeah, he, he could have walked in probably another eight feet before Perot had to do anything. But, uh, yeah, just a little chip. And this is the thing about Tanev for me, and I know for some other people, especially Chris, um, I, can, I can totally see the value or why people find so much value in when he races around and, like, he, he you know, he hits guys, he makes them panic. We've seen people cough it up to him, good players cough it up to Tanev. And it's not because it's like he's got some super amazing – uh, stick that he, you know, hand-eye coordination. I mean, I don't think his skill is there, but there's there's an element of like surprise and and chaoticness to to what he does. And so I can I can see value to that. I can I can get why people would like that. But literally every game now, I'm just showing you know, sent that little clip of him with the the terrible chipping. But he does things like that two or three times a game. Like I remember one time he was on the sideboards and then he passed it from the sideboards for no reason. Right at Hellebuck. I was at the game. I, I, I can't, it might have been actually against LA earlier this year, maybe. And, uh, anyhow, he passed it right at him, and I'm like, it looked like a shot. Like, Hellebuck wasn't ready for it. And then he stopped, and then in the same game, he also passed it to Morrissey right in front of our net while he had a guy on him. And, uh, really? so Tanev has these brain fart moments that happen literally two, three, times a game because he's playing you know 12 to 15 minutes a game yeah. uh he he has them and everyone just ignores him nobody says anything like no media person nobody online uh I, i'm i'm like are we watching the same thing like what the hell was that and i mean all players make mistakes all of them had like some dumb things i mean we had the tyler myers video of them like opening up the the red sea <laughs> and then the maurice defending that which uh, again whatever didn't make sense and and myers has been come to know that but people will say Myers look you did the stupid thing but it feels like nobody will call out not nobody I mean I know a few of us will uh, but it's like it's almost pointless because we can all kind of agree even if people are a uh, Myers fan they'll kind of be like oh geez Myers but it's like even the the biggest Tana fans don't see these moments and I I see them all the time and I maybe I should just start uh, videotaping them and, and posting them uh, all the time and have a, a running catalog but then people just say that's unfair because you should show everyone else's mistakes or show all the good things that they do but some of these mistakes are like really really goofy and uh, they don't they don't make any sense at all like there's they're, they're just too chaotic where it's not normal hockey and it's probably a little bit hard for other players to you know be along for the ride when when he's doing 
that stuff. Like, how do you think? How do you think Perot felt after that 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 chicken that he chipped in right at Thornton's face when Perot's wide open heading up the center of the ice? Well, honestly, he's <laughs> like, like, uh, like, oh fuck, we got to defend now. I got to, I got to forecheck. I got to turn around I now. Yeah, I literally could have had a shot in the, the middle of the ice. He could have walked up the spot there and and done something with it. And, and again, that was just one moment. So, I, but the thing is, the, someone's career or their whole game or their 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 yearly stats is built off of these moments, right? And so these moments that you either score, you make a nice pass, or you do some boneheaded thing. But I mean, you got to take it all together. You can't just say, I like his hustle, but then not admit that he does some really stupid things. Sometimes like probably, you know, as far as stupid plays uh, that would happen in the game, there's probably about uh, four or five players that are mostly capable of doing most of the stupid plays. And he's definitely one of them. Like, be honest, people. Tanev does some boneheaded things. Watch for them and be honest with it because they're they're really goofy. And again, I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. If he's going to score some goals, has that little whip round shot that's uh, uh you know catches goalies by surprise. Sure, hey, great, good, nice goals. I'm I'm happy to win. I don't care if he scores five goals and we win. I'm not going to you know not be happy about the win. But uh, at the same time, let's not pretend that he's the second coming of uh, Nikolai Ehlers or something because he had more goals than him in the playoffs. It's 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 nonsense. He's he's not a skilled player, and he's chaotic, which maybe maybe honestly, if uh, like I tweeted out the other day, the Jets are uh, in the Tampa Bay game. Uh, Tampa Bay is like organized good, but the Jets are chaotic good, and maybe for their chaotic style where it doesn't feel like it's as organized as it is it could be. I'm not saying they're not good. But it's not as organized as as other teams or how it should look. Uh, maybe that's the perfect place for him to to fit in and and has so good for him. I'm making a career out of it. But I I kind of feel like could you imagine Tanev being on the Tampa Bay Lightning? It just I I don't or on the Sharks even how well they looked in that first period where they're moving the puck yeah. around. And I was like, gee, both these teams look like they're on the power play every time they they go up the ice because the other nobody could could get the puck but the sharks looked a, a little bit sharper um at least in the first period there uh moving the puck and i go w- where does tanev fit in this on the offensive side of things it just uh, he doesn't it doesn't make any sense but whatever that's that's my my 10 cents about that topic I stay woke stay woke people stay woke stay woke yeah or get woke get you know Get woke. Maybe you're not woke. Maybe you should be woke. <laughs> Get woke, people. Awoken. Get awoken. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just remember never to mention Brandon Tanev again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a couple players, though, like, if we're, if you're honest, there's a couple that are a bit more lightning rods. Sorry, I'm, I'm actually sitting in my car right now, and uh, I don't know if you heard me just start the car, but um, there's a couple lightning rod players, like, obviously, Dano was when he was here, because everyone, a lot of people want to see him play, and some just said he sucked, cause, but I don't know how that you could say he sucked, because you never saw him play, because he didn't play. And then, you know, obviously, Patan is another lightning rod. Brendan Lemieux is, Tanev is, and, and some people don't like this, but uh, I can't remember who it was that brought it up. Uh, I think it might have been Menno Knight. Uh, who said that's kind of why these players, the conversation is around these uh, more periphery players and support players, because no one's saying Shifley isn't the best center on the team, or no one's saying that Lowry isn't, you know, one of the best, you know, checking centers on the uh, on the team or defensive centers, right? And, and has found a real solid role, or that, uh, you know, Blake Wheeler isn't one of the best passes or passers, or Perot shouldn't be in the top three lines and you you know he makes everybody better and hustles like nobody else or liney isn't a pure goal scorer connor you know doesn't have all the potential in the world right nobody's saying that about those players nobody cares we all agree you know maybe we like to see certain players with other ones uh you know mix up the first two lines or the first three lines and make you know three pure scoring lines whatever it is but it's always the players that are more controversial uh the, the more controversial players are the ones where there's going to be some disagreement because it's not nearly as obvious. Um, so so for that, I'm like, well, whatever. Then if we're going to have a controversy, then we will talk about Tana, Patan, yeah. Lemieux, yeah. Dano, whatever. Maybe even Appleton can be in that conversation too just because he's lower down the lineup and so how much value is there there or, or does it really matter? Um, 
you know, I've also heard the argument saying that why is it the fourth line matter at all? Why do why do we care so much about what the fourth line does? Well, because if the fourth line plays well, you give them more minutes. It gives your other lines better rest. You know, we've heard it for so long how important it is to roll four lines. And so roll four lines. And uh, so give those guys minutes. Well, you got to be able to trust them. So you got to trust them. they got to be good, right? So whatever. Yeah, and- it's, it, it, it's funny because people can isolate a, a, a conversation or a topic and not be fair to the other things that it could affect. And I've always tried to do that. Just try try to be fair. You may not like my takes, whoever's listening to this, but I, I think you can appreciate try and be at least fair about, about shit. So. At least, <laughs> at least uh, one thing I've learned is always listen to the other side of the argument. Yeah. At least so you try to understand what the other person is seeing or not seeing or whatever their thought on it and then you just and then you explain to them why they're wrong that's exactly how it works right no but seriously they're easier they're easier to make fun of if you listen to them right exactly you You got got better ammo and have the first yeah you need better ammunition for uh better talking points and stuff but but actually though you know just i just you know i always promote having an open mind and that applies to obviously more than just hockey and stuff you know just have an open mind understand why uh why someone would be feeling in a certain way towards a certain player or lineup decision or whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. And it's, it's stuff like that. You know, it's, it's important. Like some like talk to me in, in, in May when Blake Wheeler can't skate anymore. He's averaged 22 minutes and 22 seconds of ice time a game since October 4th. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's important if they can shave a couple of minutes off Weaver and Shifley and, uh, and Connor or Ewers, whoever the heck's playing out with them on a regular basis, that'll definitely help them in the long run. And I, I see, uh, I just want to mention the line of hate was, uh, back on last night. Uh, <laughs> he, he was, I uh, just, just, just noticed that he hadn't scored in a few games. So it was about time someone called him lazy or, or a pain to watch. And I mean, he didn't, he didn't look that great last night. I'll admit, um, there's a few players that probably didn't look all that spectacular last night for both teams though. So, and I mean, against LA, none of the Jets looked good. It was just a all out whatever game i mean the the jets looked okay against la i guess i guess we go back to those bounces uh sometimes you're you're unlucky yeah but line a you know he's gonna have his nights where he doesn't look good he's that's gonna happen he's still young and all that all that good stuff and all he knows is goal scoring and it's just just he's making adjustments on the fly i'm sure of it and i just want to you know cool cool the fire on the line i hate he's gonna pop the hat trick it's vancouver tomorrow so hopefully he brought his fortnight on the road and and he'll be playing that uh that all night tonight and into tomorrow <laughs> yeah and then maybe we'll get to see a fortnight Shelly when he scores uh his hat trick goal tomorrow well please he's got he's got to think like that right if he he gets it in vancouver that's got to be the place he would do it i mean he's he is a bit of a troll right i mean Oh, he's absolutely like that violin he played last year against Minnesota. I think it was that was great. Yeah, yeah, beauty. He's pulled that one out a couple times. He likes yes. he likes to that's the return to that one. So anyhow, Daniel, <laughs> I'm not sure how long we've been recording, but it feels like it's uh, probably getting a bit long. I'm sure we could kind of do this for another hour. There's lots. Wait, of I, I got another hour in me. So yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's always fun to do this stuff, but I mean. The Jets are playing Vancouver, and then uh, we got a bit of a break there. So might have a – well, whatever. I'm not going to talk about the episodes. I'll do that in, in an intro. But uh, for this part, the roundtable, let's call it quits now. And uh, thanks for taking the time, Daniel. It was always fun. Too bad uh, we didn't have more people joining us this time. But you know what? Uh, I guess we're just so electric. We don't need them. Yeah, exactly. What uh, the cowards uh, call them all right now. <laughs> yeah. Cowards yeah. traveling. What What are you doing? Christmas, what family, doing? late-night games. Yeah. Work. Yeah, Come on, stay up to one. Be a real fan. Let's let's support the team, right? Something like that, or yeah. But all all seriousness, uh, I guess this will be our last time, or my last time anyway, on before Christmas. So, Merry Christmas to all the listeners out there. Happy holidays. Enjoy the time with the family and all that all that fun stuff. Yeah, I guess yeah. We we'll probably we probably won't do another roundtable until after after the New Year. So, uh, Daniel, let's do this again in 2019, but somewhere near the beginning of 2019. Yeah, sure. We'll we'll definitely. I'll definitely be back. I'm sure I'll still like the team in two weeks. So. <laughs> I don't know. You're pretty trollish, Daniel. All right. Yeah, okay. I know. I'm awful. Let's end it there. Take care, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. See you later. Okay, bye.